one of the things in just sharing this, this series on looking at the good news of Jesus and p- perhaps the possibility of you thinking of someone or a neighbour um, who you'd like to invite along over the December break, December break, over December leading into Christmas because we'll be doing a number of different crafts as part of our morning service in de- December. And people tend to be a little bit more open to, to coming along to a church service in December and, and Easter. But one of the things I just wanted to reflect upon and, and get into the Word a, a little bit is, why is it that the world is so hostile to the gospel of Jesus? What is it that really turns people off? Because I find that there are often times when people are interested in spirituality, but they tend to be a little bit distant towards hearing the name of Jesus or um, coming to church even, even though we're trying to invite them. We know how important invitation is. Um, and just this past week, I rocked on up to, uh, on Thursday night to my, touch, my regular touch footy game, and I rocked on up early um, because I've got to warm up alone for a long period of time these days before I just run on out there. And um, my old team was sitting there having a couple of beers, and to be able to just have the chance to stop and sit with them for a while was, was really great. You know, they're not too upset at the fact that I've moved from one team to another team. Um, uh, and while I was sitting there, spirituality and religion came up. And it was a comfortable conversation about what do the Catholics think and what do the Anglicans think and, and what does uh, um, um, the Protestant church think and then what do you think? And it, was, it wasn't a planned conversation. It wasn't, and we've, I've had a number of different conversations with these guys over the um, last couple of years about it. Um, But isn't it interesting how once we build relationships, people tend to be able to be willing to open up a little bit or the conversation will all of a sudden come out of the blue of, well, tell me more about you. Why do you believe? What is it about you? What's your good news? Today, I think, in our age... People are looking for answers. And the gospel might be a little bit different to simply hearing the words about Jesus. And that's what I found on Thursday night. For these guys, they just simply wanted to know, hey, Tony, what is it that makes you who you are? Why do you follow Jesus? And there was the opportunity of the difference that he makes in my life. And I would have been there probably 15 minutes Yes, just having a social conversation, not heated. Sometimes you think that politics and religion are the two that you know, get people hot under the uh, collar. But just a simple, casual conversation. You see, sometimes the good news comes in different ways. It might come through simply having a meal with somebody. It might come through um, a gently offering um, an encouraging Bible verse. It might come through uh, just picking a friend up and inviting them along to something like a meal, 
church. It could be just simply an act of generosity because good news looks different to a lot of, other, to a lot of people. And that's why I've been reflecting on what's your good news? How has Jesus met you? It could simply be living in a way that doesn't make sense unless Jesus is who he said he was and is. Meeting people in moments of pain with love. And we find throughout the scriptures, Jesus does that a lot, doesn't he? He doesn't come with a Bible under his arm because, well, it would have been too big anyway at that point in time. And say, well, let me just tell you, let me quote scripture at you and let me tell you. It wasn't a hard thing. It was Jesus coming along and this was the good news. Jesus coming into people's space by invitation and showing them what good news was. In Luke 19, this is 1 to 10, is the passage about Jesus and Zacchaeus. And Jesus entered Jericho, chapter 19. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through, and a man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, he could, no, he could not see over the crowd, and so he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him since Jesus was coming that way. And when Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house. Isn't it cool to be Jesus? I know your name before you even tell me. Zacchaeus, Tony, Bill, Marty, whatever. Hey, I know it. And you go, whoa. I mean, straight away, we value the fact that when people can remember our name, hey, after a once-off. I struggled at doing that. I've got to say to myself three times, I've got to write it down and so on and so on. But here's a guy, and I've met, I've met some people like that who just remember the name straight up. It's powerful, isn't it? It's warm. It's loving. I must... Come down immediately, I must stay at your house today. And so he came down at once and welcomed him. And all the people saw this and began to mutter, he has gone to be the guest of this great guy. No wonder he had the invite to come along. Wow, I wish I was there. If you've got your Bibles, it doesn't say that at all. He has gone to be the guest of a sinner. You would think an invite would be a positive thing, something great. But no, in this situation, whoa, not with this guy, Jesus. You're not meant to be seen with this type of, these type of people. Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, look, Lord, oh, this is verse 8. Here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor, and I have che- if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. And Jesus said to him, what did he say to him? Today, salvation has come to this man. It wasn't the four spiritual laws. We don't know quite what all of the story was. It wasn't four spiritual laws. It wasn't a, let me tell you about justification by by faith and some of the, the other 
aspects of, of um, different denominations and so on that we spoke about last week. It wasn't even about discipleship. Here for Jesus, here's a moment. Today, salvation has come to this man. Because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and save the lost. It's not a cute Sunday school story. It's powerful here. Zacchaeus was a tax collector, a Jew that sold out countrymen to get rich. They added a, added a fee. And so they're robbing their own people to get wealthy themselves. They were hated. They were the, used by the Romans, as, as we know, to take taxes off other people, off their own countrymen. They were regarded as the lowest of the low amongst the prostitutes as well. And we struggle a little bit to relate to this because we, today we don't have tax collectors. We do have sex workers, but tax collectors we're not quite familiar with. We might want to think that they're accountants or the ATO or something like that, but that's not fair to Robin in particular, is it? But I want you to think about this for a moment. In your moral view of the world, your honest answer, who is at the bottom of your list in society? The Right down the, the, the immoral of the most immoral, right down there. The scum of the earth, the rapists, the murderers, the pedophiles, I don't know. Who, who would you put right down there and go, no way? And now, I want you to imagine Jesus going to their house. Not on, Jesus. Nah, I don't care what you think, Jesus. There's no good news for that person. No. Can't go there. Not on. Because this is exactly what Jesus did. Exactly. Didn't just go to their house. He threw love on him. He ate with him. Drank his wine. Made conversation. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house. Meals mean a lot today. And in Jesus' culture, they meant an incredible amount. Eating a meal with someone was like being welcomed at the person's table. It was seen as a demonstration of friendship, of intimacy, of unity. A bit like today, I suppose, when we have somebody over at our place. Hey, come along. You're my, my friend. I want to be your, your host. You can be my, my guest. It brings people together. 
But there have also been times that it keeps people separate. Eating with different groups of people or keeping other types of groups out. Well, I'm going to invite this person over because they're my friend. I get on well with them. I like them. Other people, I'm not too sure whether I really want to you know, invite them over. And so meals have a powerful thing or the invitation to a meal. Today, when you think about it, there are social classes of people who eat at different restaurants, who, well, you know what, uh, yeah, I'm going to invite those types of people over, but not these types of people. I always think of the Titanic in moments like this. If you've ever seen the movie, you know, the upper levels and the bottom levels. And where do we want to be, you know? <laughs> it seems that the party was happening at the bottom level, but everybody wants to be at that top level. But I want you to think about it in your own life, in, an hour, in our life as Christians, what we're called, how we're called to live. We've got a couple of videos just to illustrate that a little bit this morning for us. Well, Dipper, what would you recommend? Ah, how special. Quattro e venti. Quattro what? Tender piping hot meat. Bathe in a delicately spicy, exquisite gravy. Lovingly moulded and encased in a golden pastry envelope. Good. Sounds delicious. For four? Fine. No worries. Four fine trees, Maestro. Going right up. Quattro e venti. Four and twenty. <laughs> Ripper, dipper. Oi. Can we see the beers? No worries. Four and twenty. The great Australian taste. How do you make a great... Well, that was from the 1990s, I think, and there's been a more recent one, which I'm sure you, you may be familiar with. Can they know what they're missing out They wouldn't have a clue by the look of them. Four and twenty, the great Australian taste. We do that a lot, don't we? At times, looking at and just saying, well, because of the clothes you wear or the way that you look or where you dine or whatever else, but you're associated with that type of group of people. But Jesus didn't do that. Didn't do that at all. He would go to the tax collector's house or the, the most immoral of immoral within our, our community and he would also dine with the Pharisee who had a lot more. Social, social stratification or social classing not on for Jesus. And we've tried to encourage that in the past and we're going to be picking up on that again a little bit next year in hosting people and having people over for a meal to try and create more community within our, our church. In, um, in working for a Baptist group in uh, Sydney at one time, they had this thing called um, Table for 20. And it was a set menu. Um, 
in Oxford Street, in the heart of the city, and anybody was welcome from any walk of life. Didn't matter about what you believed in your values or levels of morality and so on and so forth. We had a lot of interesting people there, and it was one long table. And you couldn't say, please reserve me two spots at this end of the table or here or there. It was everybody in together. And you were facing somebody more often than not that you did not know or a group of people. And it was about community. Who are you? Creating conversation, getting to know one another and where you come from. An awesome social experiment. Because when we go out, we tend to sit with our own group, sit with our own people. But we find Jesus often inviting people to his table or being invited to a table. When we think about it, being invited to a table can bring about um, an inclusion and it can also distance people as well. I want you to think about for a moment about Jesus' table, and you might have heard about this already, but the people who he invited to his table at the Last Supper. Because to be invited to a table to hear something of the good news or the message of, of Jesus to be included was a powerful thing. But Jesus also invites Judas Iscariot, doesn't he? It wasn't just about the people he liked or he got on well with or whatever. He invited everybody. In Judaism, I researched some of this. In Judaism, to be invited to a family table includes fellowship before God. Because eating a piece of broken bread by everyone brings out the fact that they all share in the blessing the master has spoken over the bread and the meal. So it's just not come and have a meal, but there's something even deeper in it in Judaism. And so the inclusion of sinners at the table is the most meaningful message of the meaningful love of God. When I was looking into some of this, I thought of some of the old mafia movies, you know, when you know, the godfather or somebody sitting at the table and they're eating and someone comes in to the room and they can't approach the table. They've got to wait to get permission. You know, can I come or not? Am I invited to your table or not? Is there peace or not between us? The table or hospitality is a powerful thing. And we find, as we've read already, for Zacchaeus, it meant a huge amount to him for Jesus to go to his house. I think about it in my own life, about how I first came across the good news, what that message and how it was shaped. It wasn't of Jesus died for your sins, repent and be baptized and you'll, you'll be right. It was people taking me in people wanting to befriend me, people showing me love in one form or another. 
people going out of their way to help me out. Good news? You better believe it. I don't know about you, but simply by, for somebody to invite you over to their house means a lot, doesn't it? What does it say? You're my friend. I value you. Come, be part of my table. It's interesting here that Jesus doesn't give him, as I mentioned, the four spiritual laws or anything. It's, it doesn't seem to be about for when he dies. It doesn't seem to be about a legal process of getting into heaven or whatever else. Jesus says, today is salvation. There's something that has shifted within this guy, and it's not just about being saved, but Jesus, you know, if I've wronged anybody, this is what I'm going to do. There's an incredible transformation in his heart and mind. And there's basically what Zacchaeus is saying is, I will come and follow you. Jesus speaks about, doesn't he? The Son of Man has come to seek and save the lost. He certainly did in this situation. In Luke 7... Jesus shares these words and it speaks about the fact of how Jesus was scrutinized for the type of people that he hung out with. Verses 31 and following. Jesus went on to say, To what then can I compare the people of this generation? What are they like? They are like children sitting in the marketplace and calling out to each other, we played the pipe for you and you did not dance. We sang a dirge for you and you did not cry. For John the Baptist came neither eating bread nor drinking wine and you say he has a demon. The Son of Man came eating and drinking and you say here is a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. But wisdom is proved right by all her children. Jesus often ate with people, sat with them. And Luke records a lot of it. That Jesus was at this person's table or he was invited here or he was invited there. In Luke 7 again, in verse 36 and following, we read, when one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him, he went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. A woman in that town who lived a sinful life learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house and so she came there with an alabaster jar of perfume. How she got into the house, I do not know. As she stood behind him at his feet weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears and she wiped them with her hair, kissed them and poured perfume on them. When the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, you can't even think in your own head quietly with Jesus in the room. Hmm? Because he can read your thoughts. If this man were a prophet, he would know who is touching him and what kind of woman she is, that she is a sinner. Jesus answered him, Simon, I have something to tell you. 
Tell me, teacher, he said, two people owed money in a certain, to a certain money lender. One owed him 500 denarii and the other 50. Neither of them had money to pay him back, so he forgave the debts of both. Now, which of them will love him more? And Simon replied, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt forgiven. You have judged correctly, Jesus said. And then he turned toward the woman and said to Simon, you see this woman, you see this lower class person within society. I came into your house, you did not give me any water for my feet, which was a huge thing, it was rude. Not to do that when you had a guest come to your, your house. But she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss, which was another thing that was really important in a greeting. But this woman, from the time I entered, has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. And therefore I tell you, what does it say? Her many sins are forgiven. She hasn't made a confession of faith. It doesn't seem so, Jesus. But something's happened within this woman's life. The good news of Jesus has come, not in necessarily for spiritual laws, but something else in some way. And obviously Jesus has been attached to that and the message of Jesus has been confirmed for her in a broader spectrum than just keep using the term for spiritual laws. But you know what I mean? There's been something here. There's been an invitation into something more for her that has been good news. Therefore I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven as her great love has shown. But whoever has been forgiven, little loves little. And then Jesus said to her, your sins are forgiven. The other guests began to say among themselves, who is this that even forgives sins? And Jesus said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. There are many similar stories throughout the scriptures of Jesus eating with sinners, tax collectors, prostitutes. They're not the exception in Jesus' rule. They are the rule. That's who he hangs out with. In the New Testament, the whole idea of an altar slowly but surely moved away from the thought of sacrifices happening towards celebrating a meal or a feast. Because eating a meal with Jesus is a sign of the kingdom. It's not... It isn't a sign of the kingdom, but it is the kingdom. It's come. Follow me. Come and be a part of my crowd. Jesus would pay the guest, play the guest and the host somehow together. It's the love of the stranger that we see happening a lot in the world of Jesus. And we see it throughout even the epistles, Romans 12, 
Hebrews 13, 1 Timothy 3, Titus 1. Even in Titus 1, it's a requirement of eldership to be hospitable, to show hospitality. And I came across this quote from, um, it was actually a, a YouTube clip from a woman who says, the gospel comes with the house key, Rosaria Butterfield. And she says this um, about radically, radical ordinary hospitality. She says, those who live it see strangers as neighbours and neighbours as the family of God. Not demoting them to a status label. They know the gospel comes with the house key. Thought that was powerful. But a hospitality isn't about entertainment. Because we can tend to do this a little bit. It's not about the china where you eat off. Or the cleanliness of the house. Or even what food or beverage is on offer. These can actually make people feel what? Uncomfortable. Entertainment is about exclusion. You're the in crowd being invited. Hospitality is about an open table. Entertainment is about performance, showing off, home, friends. Hospitality is about service. In entertainment, there's a clear line between who is the host and who is the guest. In hospitality, it blurs those lines in Jesus' view. Entertainment is sporadic. It's an event. Hospitality is a regular, rhythmic way of life. Don't you love that? A regular, rhythmic way of life. You know what? I reckon we would go a long way in our society and community if that was our one rule of life. An open home of hospitality. A table for all to come and be a part of. And not just say it's there, but to invite. A regular hospitality, a regular rhythmic way of life. Entertainment is an act of reciprocation. If I have you over, now you feel obliged to have me over. Hospitality is an act of generosity, giving without return. I love in Luke 14, and I pretty much want to finish with this. But in Luke 14, Luke records for us these words, and again, it's about Jesus and eating food, hospitality, good news. And it says this in Luke 14, 1 and following. One Sabbath, when Jesus went to eat in the house of a prominent Pharisee, he was being carefully watched. And there in front of him was a man suffering from abnormal swelling of his body. And Jesus asked the Pharisees and experts in the law, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath or not? But they remained silent. So taking hold of the man, he healed him and sent him on his way. And then he asked them, if one of you has a child or an ox that falls into a well on the Sabbath day, will you not immediately pull it, pull it out? I just thought that was humorous. If you had a kid that fell into the well, you know, you're going to pull it out or not? But you know, oh, I don't know. Well, how'd you get down there in the first place? Well, that'd be a story. They had nothing to say. 
And when he noticed how the guests picked the places of honour at the table, he told them this parable. When someone invites you to a wedding feast, do not take the place of honour, for a person more distinguished than you may be invited. And if so, the host who invited both of you will come and say to you, give this person your seat. And then, humiliated, you will have to take the least important place. But when you're invited, take the lowest place so that when your host comes, he will say to you, friend, move up to a better place and then you'll be honoured in the presence of all the other guests. For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled and those who humble themselves will be exalted. And then Jesus said to his host, when you give a luncheon or dinner, do not invite your friends, your brothers or sisters, your relatives or your rich neighbours. For if you do, you, they may invite you back and so you will be repaid. That's what we're talking about, isn't it? Entertainment. But when you give a party, or when you give a banquet, so Jesus was a bit of a party man. He loved the idea. It's not if you give one, but when you give one. When you have a party, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed. Although they cannot repay you, you'll be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. And so Jesus really is inviting us to be hospitable towards people, to have people over. Don't worry about the state of the house. Don't worry about what's on the the table. Just invite. Have a party. Have people over. The good news for many is being welcomed as a friend. Not about straight up four spiritual laws. It's about being included. And this world that we live in, there is no doubt about it that people are lonely. As busy as we all are, as busy as everybody is, people are lonely. And there's nothing better than to find somebody who's willing to sit and listen to you. Have conversation. Be with you. It's interesting, in the early church, the good news multiplied not via the internet, not by celebrity evangelists, not by political power or protection, but under persecution with no sound system or printing press, but more than likely over bread and wine at a table. So when you go home, and you see your table where you eat a meal, stop. Perhaps make it a table where Christ is present and invites. For I was a stranger and you welcomed me. That sounds like good news to me. Let's pray. Lord God, we are reminded today of the good news in our own life and for the way and the manner, the vehicle in which it came to us in. We find ourselves, Lord, as you know, in a time where certainly the church is 
scrutinised heavenly and frowned upon within our society. And yet people are desperate for hope. And so, Lord, we would pray over this time of Christmas and holidays for opportunity to have a meal, have a coffee, to stop and give somebody else the time and space to show them the love that Jesus showed. Because they're a close friend or because of their social status or anything, but simply because out of the love that Christ had for me, so I go and do likewise. We thank you, Lord, for the good news of Jesus, for the salvation that only through his name that he brings to us. And the impact that makes, not just in eternal, in the eternal realms, but also here on earth and towards the many that we find ourselves mingling with each and every day. Holy Spirit, we just pray for um, just that revealing during our weeks to be mindful of the person and what they're saying to us, what perhaps they're trying to communicate and the opportunity to just invite them to our table. For we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.